ladies and gentlemen, you have made it to Brave to the Bone podcast, where we explore the dynamics of human courage in its most dynamic form, personal transformation. What does it take to dive into the unknown of ourselves? Who can help us get there? How scary is it to face our own edge? And what are the magic tools that we can use today to explore ourselves on this journey of healing just a little bit more? Hey guys, it's Tanya here. I'm so honored to bring to you a humble and insightful leader who works with individuals and organizations to develop health, clarity, and cohesiveness. Bill teaches empathy to teams all over the world. He brings heart-centered work to the boardroom. He has an incredible story of humility depth and concern for his own journey of self-discovery, and so many tidbits of advice and stories to help us remember why we are really here, what our story that we are telling ourselves really is, and how to transform our lives with humility, compassion, and love. Enjoy. Bill, thank you so much for coming to the show today. So excited to have you here. I loved our conversation earlier as we kind of prepared for this. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do today? Well, well, thank you so much for being here. It's, it's always an honor to be asked to share who I am and uh, to the extent that I know who I am today. And I'm a guy who is in the process of getting to know myself uh, better every day. And as I take that approach to what I'm doing and how I'm going about doing it, it's, it's, it's an, easier, an easier process for me because there, I'm a work in progress. There will be times when I may not do it the way I think I should do it, and I don't need to carry that around uh, with me as I have in the past. Um, so, you know, I'm a, an old dude and 68 years old, born in 1952. The classic middle class America, you know, story of, uh, you know, a family that was on the move and growing. My dad had served in the armed forces. My mother was a, you know, a stay at home mom. And, you know, we were three kids and I was the middle child. And, you know, it's it's a it's true what they say about middle children. So if you're a middle child and you're hearing this, you know, that's all I that's all you need to tell me. And I get you. I get you if you're a middle child. and. And that's a, uh, I had an older sister and I was never, I was never Bill. I was always Margaret's brother. And so I was a year behind her in school. And this was always a, um, you know, an issue. Uh, I didn't know it was an issue. It was just something that I accepted and didn't know the impact that it would eventually have on me, but it did. You know, I was, I was pretty quiet. Uh, I was young for my age. There were some things that have been revealed uh, over the last 10 years of my life, some secrets that I kept for, you know, 50 plus years of some things that took place, particularly when I was in the second grade and I was bullied by four little girls. And I kept that a secret for a long, long time. I carried what those four little girls had told me in their bullying uh, around with me and believing it to be true and you know, the, you know, it's, it's, it's sad when I look back on, you know, what my life might look like had I been free to talk about it uh, at the time, but I wasn't. And, you know, my story is today a story of, uh, you know, redemption and, um, and, and, you know, and, and being saved. 
because God reached out his hand and I got to a place where I took it. I took his hand and, and I was pulled out of the, pulled out of the hole, literally pulled out of the hole. I don't know that I did much climbing. It was, it was, uh, you know, a, a literally pulled out of the hole. Um, you know, I started to, uh, you know, realize that in, you know, in, in high school, I was never really a part of, I was never included in, I was always an outcast. I was a loner until I discovered alcohol. And then I became, you know, the life of the party. I was, you know, uh, able to talk to, uh, talk to girls. I was able to, uh, interact with guys. I was able to be funny. I was able to, you know, laugh, um, interact. It was, it was magic. Once I left, uh, high school and went to college, you know, when I was 18, I didn't really draw a sober breath for about 25 years. Um, I was always under the influence of something. It was alcohol. It was drugs. It was, it was something made me feel okay. I felt okay when I was under the influence, when I wasn't under the influence, I did not feel okay. And that was, that was pretty much, you know, the, the story I got, you know, I got through college. I met my wife, Sally, and we are, you know, um, we went on our way of building a life together. I got a job. I got, went to work. We started to have children. We have two wonderful children today. And I kept drinking and I kept seeking. There was this, you know, this moment where, you know, out with the guys and we're all having a good old time. You know, you go to a barbershop, you're eventually going to get a haircut. And, you know, so I started to uh, my I started to wander, you know, just uh, I'll just leave it at leave it at that and be known that there were some some things that I have done that I'm not uh, not proud of that ended up you know hurting a lot of people to the point where there was almost another life that I was living. Uh, I had a family over here. It was a good looking picture. There was a house. There was swim teams and baseball and soccer and you know, it all looked, it all looked pretty good on the outside, but over here on the other side, there was this, this other, this other life that was a big secret that eventually came crashing down. We're about probably about 10 days out my anniversary, uh, my sobriety anniversary, May 23rd, 1994 was when I walked away from alcohol and drugs. Uh, that was the last time I put anything in my body to change the way I felt. I had gotten kicked out of the house on May 19th because this whole other life that I was living came, um, came to a head and became known. It sent me out of the house. And that was the moment where I had to have this, uh, this moment of clarity. I had stopped by my daughter's room the night that I got thrown out. She was 13 at the time. And I told her that I was leaving and she uh, started to cry. She put her arms around me and she gave me a big hug and she said, daddy, everything's going to be okay. And, and at that moment, there was a small, still voice in the back of my head that said, Bill, you don't have to live like this anymore if you don't want to. And that was the moment. And I heard it and I didn't respond to it other than I kept kept hearing it. I eventually got into the rooms of recovery, went through an outpatient program, found uh, the, the rooms of recovery and have pretty much been active in that program, in a you know recovery program ever since. And through that program, I was able to be invited back home. 90 days after I was thrown, I was invited back home and, and we will celebrate 45 years of marriage in June. God willing. And, and, and as people say, God is willing. Are you? I am willing. Sally is willing. And we are just living a life today. I don't think we either one of us dreamt possible. It hasn't necessarily been the way we would have written the script, 
but it's certainly a, a story that is worth uh, telling and worth uh, living. It was, it's, every moment has been necessary for me to be the person I am today. So through taking the steps, work uh, with others, getting with, getting with a sponsor on a regular basis, I was able to develop a relationship with God. And that relationship has continued to grow over the last 27 years. And, you know, probably the most important relationship I have today without that relationship, I really don't have anything else. Because I'm still that person that believes there's there's still that sense that is there, but not it's it's the lie that continues to be told to me about, you know, you're not capable, you're not a part of, you're, you know, this is not gonna work out. That's still present. It still shows up, not to the degree it has, but there's a movement away from it every day. And the more I stay connected with God, the, the better the chance I have of living just a really a free life today. There's this word called liberty. I have the liberty today to, to be free, as free as I want to be. It's been a great little journey. I've been successful uh, monetarily. You, know, you make investments, you, you made it, you lose it, you make it, you lose it. You know, we're on the, on the make it again upswing. You know, I'm, I'm by no means done with what I'm doing. What I'm doing today is what I'm, what's called an organizational health consultant, which is where I come into organizations and teams and work with leaders to, to build a cohesive team that is able to have some uh, some really hard conversations about six questions that provide clarity for the organization. And through that, the organization is able to deliver uh, results that, that can be tremendously an X times uh, over where they were before they did the work. I was just on a call where there was this one group uh, that was that was giving a testimony about the power of the work that we do. It wasn't somebody that I had worked with. The CEO was talking about how by doing this work, his company is now probably doing 50x what they were doing before because they went through this little process of gaining some clarity. So I'm excited about that. It is what I was built for, what I was made for. It took, But everything I've done up to this point has been necessary for me to be here. Without that experience, I wouldn't be in a position to do what I'm doing right now. So I'm excited about, about what lies ahead. We moved up to Bend, Oregon from the Bay Area back in August. We are, we are excited about what's going on up here. It's a beautiful place. There's so much to do. We're getting very active out, outside. And right now, the, we got a little blue sky, a little breeze blowing. It's about you know, 72 degrees. The day's out there waiting for us. I'm so grateful for your story. And I'm also touched that you mentioned that self-talk that you still work with, that self-doubt, because I feel like, especially this month being mental health month, a lot of people don't can relate to that for one thing, but also don't understand how to work with it. I know that you just did on your own podcast a little bit about the caring leader. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how beyond your spiritual practice and connection with God, how you're able to manage that? That's a great question because so many of us want to deny the existence or to have it go and leave. It's important for me to to recognize that this is this is a part of me. There's a therapy that I you know, worked with about, you know, I probably worked with her for about three years and I still kind of check in with her every once in a while. It's always amazing. She'll just, she'll send me a little message on my iPhone just saying, how are you? And it's kind of like going, man, you know, she always kind of pings me. You need to check in with her. 
But what she said early on, you know, this is back 10, 11 years ago, she said, because I was saying, I want to be free of this. And she says, well, what if you aren't ever free of it? And I could not imagine a life where this continued to be there. And what I have come to know is to recognize and to, and to name it. I name it. It's not something that I, I seek out, but it sometimes shows up. It's kind of like, you know, an old friend that shows up at your front door, you know, knocks on the door and says, hmm, you know, and, and I have a choice today whether to let it in or to say, not now. I was talking to a guy this morning about this, and it's like, I just say, hey, look, at go sit in the corner for a while. I'll come see you when I'm ready. There's this like, it's almost like I have fun with it a little bit. It's like, oh, you're back. Okay. I can entertain you and I know where this is going to go. So it's like and, a curious play almost. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is, this is part of my story. It's like, okay, there, you know, here it comes. It's like, mm, not today. Where before it would be like, oh my gosh, it's here. What do I do? It's like, we'll just, we'll just, you know, separate it out, put it over there and leave it there. And now go focus on, you know, where God wants me to, to focus. It's not as powerful. It's not anywhere near as powerful as it used to be. Now, that's not to say that it might not come back with a full army the next time it, it decides to show up. And I'll be, I'll be able to, to recognize it for what it is. And that's where I've been. That's where I've kind of grown to. It's part of, part of getting to know me and my story, my role in my story. This is just one of those things that I'll have to just continue to to maybe there, you know, forever. Yeah, that's so beautiful. This is where the word liberty comes in because you've actually looked at your whole self and your whole story and given room for all the different parts of yourself, though even the ones that aren't our favorite. Is that where liberty really comes in? There's a liberty to, you know, I have to believe today what I believe. I have the liberty to respond as I respond. I have the liberty to respond with compassion or respond with, you know, justice or respond with, I have the ability to to step aside. And, you know, I believe that there is a spirit in me today that, that is just, just screaming to come out. And, and I, you know, it's like, no, I can't let, I can't let that out because I'm afraid of what people will think of me that I won't be included, or I won't be a part of, or I won't get invited to, or I won't be sought out. And the spirit kind of grieves. It's like, oh, man, that's what you think? Why don't you let me out and let, 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 me, be, let me be seen? Let, me, let this be who you are. I am really who you are. And as I'm getting more comfortable in that, I'm finding that my view of the impact that, that being who I am has on people is totally different than what I thought it was going to be. Wow. And there's this, this I go back to 2000, 2006, I was in a, working for a company and they, had a, they brought us together with a consultant who, who worked with us on what's the story you're telling yourself about yourself. And whatever that story is, you're going to do everything possible to make it true. So that if you believe that you're not a part of, and you believe you're not capable of, and you believe that you're not going to be invited to, or you're not, you believe all these things about yourself, the story you're telling yourself about yourself, you're then going to do everything possible to make it true. You're going to do everything possible to not be invited, to not be included, to prove that this, that your story is true. Now, is it getting you to where you want to go? No. Then change your story change the story of who you are 
and what you want to be. And it was like, well, how do I do that? Well, like, what do you want to be? Well, I want to be thought of, I want to be a loving, kind, gentle, compassionate guy. I want to be included in, I want to be a part of a group of guys. I want to be part of, you know, invited to go play golf and be, be included in. It's like, okay, so now make that happen. So what do you need to do to make that happen? Who do you, who do you need to show up as? How do you, how do you become compassionate and, and kind? Well, become, start acting compassionate and kind. You know, sometimes it's, um, you know, in the rooms we talk about act as if. So, yeah, so that we can start thinking in the manner of, okay, uh, this, is some, this is an opportunity for me to be kind. This is an opportunity for me to be compassionate. What do I know about compassion? What does it look like? How do I do this? And to seek guidance. What does compassion look like? What, is, what does kindness look like? At the end of the day, for me, it's not something that I can't put it on. I can't put compassion on. Compassion is something that needs to generate, come from the heart. As kindness needs to come from, as caring needs to come from the heart. Caring needs to start with, with me and caring about me and receiving the, the loving kindness and loving care of, of God. And then and only then do I have it to give to you. This work I need to do on myself and then I step into, what does this look like? I let that, what has been put in me come out of me. They come from the heart. It's amazing. It's amazing because it's, then it's really authentic and it's real and it's sustainable. It's not something that I can, I, I don't get tired of it. You were telling us about how you were able to name that negative voice. Can you name for us the things that you know you need to do for yourself to keep yourself in that place? Like, what is it exactly that, that, that nourishes? People need to hear how different and unique we are in the way we feed ourselves, and that it helps us understand how to honor it. It's finding what, what it is that does work the same. I am a get up around six o'clock every morning, make coffee. Typically, there's a seven o'clock meeting down by the river here, so I'll head down to that, to my house. Collagen protein powder, collagen protein. My eating is more of a high protein. Walk for 45 minutes, you know, just and just walk, getting the word out, talking to the folks I need to talk to, trying not to put too much uh, stress on the success aspects of it, but, but just really more on, on connecting with the people. It's the connecting with the people that's the important thing. Yeah, and I'd like to get into those six questions if that's possible and a little bit of a history of where they came from, because I'm wondering if it comes from more of a self-work that you've done on yourself that has helped really reinstate those questions. The six questions are really quite, they're quite basic. And in order to get to these six questions, a team uh, or a leader needs to be, they need to be cohesive. They need to have, have a certain degree of trust, be able to have conversations that are there's a varied, varied opinions are put forth without any, any consequences. So it's important that the leader here, you know, the 360 degree view of, of the issue. In order to do these six questions, there needs to be some work done on the, co- on the cohesive side first. But the, the six questions are, why do we exist? How do we behave? What do we do? How will we succeed? What is most important right now? And who must do what? They seem pretty simple, right? You would sit down and say, okay, we're going to do question one first. Why do we exist? It's should the, should the executive team, should the team have 
cohesive? Should they have clarity on why they exist? Certainly, they need to have clarity on why they exist. But, and the exercise is real simple. We have them write down every member of the team without talking to one another. It's like, write down, why does the company exist? Wow. And you'd be amazed at how different, what, what comes up. It's like, there's very seldom a, an agreement. The differences are really quite telling amongst the team of, you know, five to six folks about they will each have a different, ex- different idea of why they exist. And yet they're an executive team leading a, leading a company. Wow. Oftentimes we'll do, we'll do question one, why do we exist with question three, which is what do we do? And, and that's another revealing element uh, what they what do they do? They're, they're, they're very related as to why we exist and what do we do? This coming into an agreement on that. Question two around how, how do we behave? Do we do we trust one another? Do we allow an opinion or a belief that isn't ours on a particular subject to be put on the table and heard without shouting it down? What are the values that we uh, that we live by? That's another interesting conversation. It's important in our initial conversation with with the team to get that out, but not spend a lot of time on defining the values. But a lot of times you'd be surprised at how many of the, the executive team members don't really have a good handle on what the company's values are. This relates to the individual. It's important for the individual. What are the values that you're living by? What are your key drivers? How do you make decisions? What makes you feel good about a decision and not so good about a decision? What makes you feel good about hanging out with a person and, and not being willing to hang out with that person? Interesting. Uh, it goes so deep. I just love it. How will we succeed is a, this is where it gets really, really messy because you know, this is where we come up with what we call the rally cry. This is like for the next six months, this is what we're going to be focused on. So how, how will we succeed? We will succeed by thematic goal. What is it that drives this company? Is it customer service or is it a, uh, we're going to provide safe and economical air travel to the world? There's a process involved in going through that. What is it that over the next six months that absolutely has to happen for you to be successful? This can get kind of messy too. The key thing about the six questions is they're all interrelated. They're all intertwined with one another. As you take people through this process, it, it is all, it's almost like a, a tapestry that is, that is developed. We call it a playbook that really is something that will guide their, their decisions, that will guide what, what, their, what their meetings look like. And to what do we need to be talking about? Well, we need to be talking about what's most important right now. We need to be talking about, are we adhering to what we answered in number four as to how we will succeed? Are we staying on track with what we do and why we exist? And are we behaving as we're supposed to be behaving? And if we're not, what do we need to do around that? These are revealing. They provide what we call clarity. It's, it's like, this is all about clarity. For a team to have clarity, for a person to have clarity, on their lives, you know, like, what am I, what's my purpose? What am I doing? Where am I going? How am I behaving? How am I treating people? You know, what's most important right now? What's most important over the next six months? You know, these are the kind of things that are uh, simple, but often overlooked. It's just people just kind of say, ah, you know, well, I've got a job, you know, I'm going to go do that. Well, without spending a whole lot of time around it is like, how does that tie back into your answers to these questions from a personal level. Amazing. And it just seems, you know, you're talking about clarity, but it also shows so much of 
a search for cohesiveness in that group. Yet I also feel that all these questions would work so well with an individual that's an entrepreneur. A marriage, if these are so wonderful, just six rules to live by. If you can get your spouse to sit down and go through these questions, it's, it is a revealing much of what the the creator of this talks about is this is this not only works in the in the boardroom this works in the living room you know as well with respect to family dynamics and it's it's powerful it's powerful because you get to see how do we behave are we able to have empathy for one another you know going back to the empathy question the why do we exist and you know what do we do it's like those are you know, like we're committed we're we're in love and we're going to you know does our does our relationship demonstrate that would people know that by just watching us or do we have to tell them oh we're really in love you know or people are going to go there's always that couple they're out for you know you see them at you know if you're out for dinner or something like oh they are really together it's a very it's just very powerful to to look at how how this this is all heart stuff. This is all coming from the heart and how the heart plays a role in the boardroom. Wow. Leaders who are able to be caring, heart-led leaders tend to create cultures and environments where people know that they care. The people are celebrated not and not their accomplishments. The people who and once word gets out on the street that that's a company where where you will be celebrated, not necessarily your accomplishment. Wow. That becomes a company that people are going to be lined up trying to get a job at. And those people that have jobs there are going to stay there because they are excited about going to work every day. That going to work is a place that place where they're honored, they're seen, they're heard, they have friends, they're behaving well with each other. It's, this is this is stuff that doesn't necessarily get taught or measured in business schools. You know, they're starting to become more aware of this. The idea of how do you measure this? Well, tough to say, but all you need to do is look at the fact of what we're charged for this versus what's the cost of losing a key employee? What's the cost of bringing on a new employee? It's percentages of that cost of what we're doing for for the company as well as the individual to to help them live a fuller richer meaningful purpose and meaningful life if we're living our purpose it's it's an honest life it's an honest life i'm living my purpose it's not what the world tells me i want to be it's not what my buddy says you should be doing this or you should be doing that this goes to what it says on the coins you know, aa coins it talks about to thine own self be true Till one knows thine own self, it's hard to know what that truth looks like. I'm getting to know myself a little better every day. I can see how working one-on-one -on -one with people and talking about leaders and their heart work and their true purpose and honesty. I'm curious if in your experience, bringing it to the boardroom, if it gets diluted at all, at all and if it's confusing for people to all of a sudden mesh the mundane work of, you know, the executive world to their hearts. It is. The leader's role, the CEO, president role is a lonely place to be because they can't, they have no one to talk to about what's really going on. This is, this is where we step in and we provide that outlet for them. What we do, and one of the things we say up front is we're going to tell you the things that no one else is going to tell you. Wow. And they're, and they're probably going to piss you off. 
because no one else has ever told you that before. But we do it from a place of caring concern for you and your company. Unless you can grab hold of what we're what we're observing and what we're what we're honest and talking about, you're going to continue to have struggles with your team dynamics. Most of the CEOs who have been told, you know, and I've I've been doing this for you know about you know a year and a half now. Most people will, after they get pissed off, come back and say, "Thank you, I needed to hear that." So we spend a lot of time before we jump into the team dynamics with the CEO, taking them through a series, you know, like, okay, so what is it? What's the thing that you don't want anyone to know about your team? And just ask him the question or what's the big elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about? Who's the fly in the ointment on your team? And every team has one. And there's always the, you know, the bully or the, the, the top producer, the I'm above all this guy, the, uh, the power driver. And it's important that you, you let that be seen and then you call it out and ask what's going on. So we just simply say, okay, so what's, what's going on here? You know, there seems to be a, a willingness on so-and-so to speak and, you know, you're not letting them speak. So what is it that's going on? You, and you don't, we don't shy away from that. That's a crazy place to be when you're a guy that only wants to be accepted and be a part of, because there's, there's going to be conflict there. There's going to be like, what do you mean? You're like, you know, it's like, well, let's not get into a, you know, a fist fight here, but, but let's, I'm just asking the question, what's going on and why won't you let, you know, this is the way the team dynamic is supposed to be. And you want it to be, that's your decision. I can tell you that that's probably not going to be sustainable in terms of making you an attractive place to work. And that's your decision. A place that, that I feel very, it's almost like I'm honored. I'm honored to be put in that position to be able to speak into somebody's, somebody's team in, in, in this manner. To provide the, the CEO or anyone else on the team with, with a safe place to come and get honest feedback on the things that are, you know, uh, of concern to them. And do it in a, in a manner that's, you know, that's confidential and that's safe. Yeah, so it kind of moves us back into that compassionate leadership part where it takes a lot of you being in touch with your own heart to be able to, to do that, to get there. So it's got to be an interesting self-work along with the professional aspect. It's taking the, the position of my job is to, to understand what's going on with my team and my employees. And if there's somebody that is hurting or somebody that is struggling to have some empathy for that, and to make sure that my team, my direct team, also has empathy for that. And the way I lead with empathy, if I lead with empathy, then that demonstrates to the team that that's what they can do and they should do in those similar situations. So the leader is really the, all of our conversations and all of our sessions, the leader goes first. When we're asking them to share on a, on a particular topic around, you know, what do, what do you do well and what don't you do well? The leader goes first. The leader gets vulnerable first. Vulnerability is a key, key element to bringing uh, cohesiveness to a, um, to a team. Wow. The, if the leader can get vulnerable, then everyone else feels that they can get vulnerable. The leader says, hey, I'm not, you know, I don't listen well. Leader says to, to his group, I don't listen well. And the, and the team goes, you're right. You don't listen well. I want you to call me out on that. You know, when you, when you see it, when I'm not listening well, I want you to tell me, John, you're not listening and do it in a, do it in a respectful manner, set the stage so that that conversation can take place. And then that conversation taking place, then hopefully he becomes, he starts listening better and in listening better, 
he hears better and being, and then the guy, the other person feels heard. People just want to be, first of all, listened to, and the second of all, to also be heard. He can make whatever the decision is that he needs to make. This group I'm with has is like, people can't buy in unless they've had an opportunity to weigh in. Wow. So, so if I could, so I get the opportunity to weigh in. That's really all I can ask. It's just like, can I be heard? Yes, you can be heard. We heard you. And we're going to go this direction, which doesn't, which isn't the direction you suggested. Okay. I had my chance. They heard me and I'm behind the decision that they're going for, even though it's not the one I would have, I would have asked for. Yeah. That's uh, fantastic. I just, I'm so inspired that vulnerability will lead to so much openness, cohesiveness, and in a team. It's just super right on. And I just, I love it. Is that also what your podcast is based on or what are you doing there? And can you tell the audience what your podcast is called? My podcast is Leadership Breakthrough. And I, and I started it off by interviewing folks like you're, you're talking with me around their journey to their breakthrough. I've, I've known these folks for a while. I know their story and they all had, were very successful. And then they had a moment where they kind of crashed and burned. And then they kind of came through it with a whole nother view of their purpose. So it was, it was in that breakthrough moment of like, okay, I look really good. I'm very successful. And something's missing. And it was finding that something missing that basically transformed and completed them in a way that said, okay, now here's what my real purpose is. So I started it off doing those interviews. Those are up and posted, Leadership Breakthrough. I started to move away into more of a stream of consciousness around the topics that we're talking about here, uh, because I thought those were, I thought they were very relevant. They were a little bit shorter in length to the to the 45 minute to an hour podcast. Today it's it's more on topics. The last couple of sessions have been on trust, expansion into that, and the role of caring as part of building the trust. When we truly care, that's a huge element in, in moving forward in, into the trust. So I'm just trying to be topical around, you know, those things that are popping up for me that are um, impactful in leaders leading what the um, they can use any of what I'm sharing. Fantastic. And most of them, it seems to be, seems to be working. I feel like I am fulfilling my purpose in sharing, you know, what, what God's putting on my heart on the topic. That's really neat. I'm inspired that you were able to move from interviewing people to just really sharing what's on your heart and mind. And it has so much to do with empathy and caring and leadership and heart work. It's, it's really profound and beautiful. It's been transformative. It really has because I feel like I'm growing into the into the man that I was, you know, have always been intended to be. I feel more alive than I've ever felt working with uh, with team, people and teams in this area of uh, organizational health and sharing what's on my heart and doing it in an honest, authentic manner that speaks to you know who I am, what I stand for. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much, Bill. Is there anything um, that you would like to say to anybody out there that still may be just uh, struggling? Is there a way that they could use this stuff in their everyday life that's a little bit simple that you can hand out to us today? It's simple, but it's not easy. And I would say the first thing, if you are struggling, is, is to take some time to just go be with yourself. Just just go be with yourself and try to try to shut it down, shut down the mind and just and just try to listen. You know, back at the time that I was seeing my therapist, 
I had been, it had been suggested to me that I had just been uh, let go, fired from a job after being there for six weeks. I'd called some of the men in my life and their response was basically, we don't think we can help you anymore because we've talked to you about this before. And then I got together with one of them who invited me to coffee and he said, he said my, my suggestion to you right now is that you do nothing but listen because God is talking and you're not hearing because you have your own idea of what is the problem and what your life should be. And it was almost a relief to hear that. And I actually you know, went about consciously trying to do that. I can't tell you exactly when it was, but it was probably about a month after that, that I heard this little, this little suggestion. It was, again, I can't tell you exactly when it was. And, you know, and I was hoping that the, that the, the, what I would hear would be to, you know, talk to a specific guy who would send me to talk to another person. And then that person would have a job for me. I was looking for a job. I needed a job. What I heard was do what I put in front of you and do it with the spirit of you think you can help. Two days after I heard that, I got a little ping in a week or so after I heard that. It was a very short period of time after I heard that, that I got a ping on my LinkedIn account from a guy I hadn't talked to for three years. He said, let's have lunch. It was just a short little message. Let's have lunch. So we set up a time to have lunch and we talked and got caught up for, you know, uh, over the lunch in terms of what had been going on and where he'd been and where I'd been and what was going on. And and at the end of lunch, he said, I've got a neighbor who's looking for somebody like you. May I have the neighbor call you? And so I said, sure. And the next day, the neighbor called me and he was taking a position. He was in between jobs as well, but he had been hired on for, to, for a position at, the, at a public institution. They were in looking for someone to manage a process for them around building, building some buildings something that I had never done before. I'd never worked for the public sector before. I'd never essentially done, done what he was really asking to do. And all I said to him in response to what, because he said, here's what I'm looking for. And he says, what do you think? And my response was, I think I can help. And so we talked for about an hour and he must've asked the question, you know, again, what do you think? What do you think? And, and this was so not like me because I want to tell you how, and I want to tell you my qualifications. And I just said, no, I'm just going to trust. I'm going to trust this voice of just tell them that you think you can help. And I went, went through an interview process and into February, this was in December at the end of February, they offered me a position as a, as a contract employee to lead this process. All I, all I did was when I got the job, it was kind of like, okay, you said this, that I can help. So if you're going you're gonna to lead me here, you're going to provide me with what I need to do. Okay. You're going to show me how you're going to give me what I need to help. And I got everything I needed. And that has kind of launched me into what I'm doing today because it, it helped me kind of get some visibility in a particular uh, skill set in a particular sector around having the ability to, to lead a team and to bring together cohesion on a team and to get clarity on guidance and direction on that team and then to move that team forward of some really, really smart people. When people ask me what I did in that job, I did this because this is what I was told I did by the people who hired me. Because I was saying, like, I'm not sure what I'm doing. And they said, you're getting really smart people to talk to one another. Wow. And so I said, you know, like... So what did you do? I just got really smart people to talk to each other. <laughs> and it's like, and, and, and people sit there and they nod and they say, yes, I get it. I get it. Because 
real smart people don't like to necessarily talk to other real smart people and become part of a team. They think that I've got my little silo, you've got your little silo, and together the silos will meet. Well, not necessarily. You know, we need to break down the silos and we need to kind of come together on a regular basis and talk to one another about where we are, what we're struggling with, how we're dealing with things so that everyone else understands and that they can speak into your situation in a manner that helps that situation move forward, that moves the team forward quicker than than getting to the end when everybody's supposed to be together and saying, oh my gosh, we're, we're, we're not together and we're at our deadline. Now what? Deal with that and get to things done on, on time, on schedule, on budget. And, you know, the project happened the way it was designed to um, within the timetable that it was, it was, that was set up. So it was, and all I did was show up and try to help. And that's something I carry with me now. It's when someone said, comes to me with something, it's like, well, I think I can help. That's incredible and totally profound. And I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for sharing that, Bill. And thank you so much for making time today to come. To you bet. Show. You bet. I appreciate you asking me. I love you. Love what you're doing. I love the way you're, you know, your demeanor and how you're helping people. It's very, very comfortable. I wish you nothing but the greatest success. And to all your listeners, you know, just, just listen, listen, take the time to be by yourself and listen and, and hear. Thank you, Bill. Thank you all for your continued support. This podcast means the world to me as I continue to share stories about personal transformation, the highs and the lows, the whole truth. If you are someone out there with a personal story of transformation, please reach out to me. My email is thehealedhero at gmail.com. Email me if there's something that you want to hear or if there's someone that you want to hear from. Also, feel free to join my Facebook group, The Healed Hero Collective.